Thank you for listening to Fearless LA. We believe that where love is greater, fear is less. Tune in today to hear a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Jeremy Johnson. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 says this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons? Did we not go to church? Did we not go to the outreach? Did we not get up and be a part of the dream team? And perform many miracles. Now, that is a miracle, getting up at that early. Be a part of that dream team. Come on, give it up for that dream team. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doer. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm ready to be wise who built his house upon the rock. The rains came down, the streams rose up, and the winds blew and beat against it, yet the house did not fall because it had its foundation, somebody say foundation, on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the rent rose up, the winds beat against the side, and the house fell with a great crash. Anybody ever feel like you're falling? <laughs> like the streams and the wind and the rain? Or we could just say the fear, the anxiety, the worry, the increase in rent, right? That landlord, that new boss who has an agenda to get you fired. <laughs> then it will test what your house is built upon. Yeah, Anybody being tested lately? Anybody being, your, your house being tested? You're like, boom, okay, I'm still here. All right, so sometimes it, it's really exciting just to kind of say, wow, made it through that. Sometimes you can just kind of throw yourself a party. I'm, I'm just saying beyond your birthday, you could just be celebrating every day like, wow, made it through the 405 today. <laughs> Praise God. Made it through another rude person. Yeah. Hallelujah. Thank God. Made it through that jerk. <laughs> Thank you for that sign. Some of you guys are seeing signs and wonders all the time on the freeway, right? It's just like, you know, you're like, Praise God. Made it through that sign. Yeah, you ought to just throw yourself a party through making it through some of these storms because when you make it through a storm, you realize, wow, I've built more of my life on this word than I realized. I'm actually closer to God than I thought. Sometimes a storm will reveal actually how close to God you've built the last 10 years of your life. Right. Amen. Praise God. I love that, 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 that touching that rock, that building our life upon that rock is really God saying, that's the connection to me. Really what I long for is not just a whole bunch of things for you to do. I long for you to be connected to me because when you're connected to me, when you know me, you will have life. You will have strength. You will have a foundation. Really this whole series is about us getting back to the basics because I know I'm talking to a bunch of dreamers. 
I know I'm talking to a bunch of people that are passionate about what's to come. I mean, we are like, the best is yet to become. That's like our saying. That's our, that's our motto, man. We are living for what's coming. We are, we are working. We are training. We are believing. We, are, we have faith for what's coming. But, but I just want to encourage you on the way to becoming for us to be being who God's called us to be. And that little days are actually more important that we're, than big days. That these little things are the most important things that we could consider. Have you ever played this game? Yeah. I hate this game. It's <laughs> the worst game for me because it stresses me out. I mean, people are so much better at this game, Jenga. It's like a guy just is like, I got an extra whole bunch of pieces of wood. Let's put it together and make some money. I mean, just cut things. He's just like bored with his kids. And he's like, this is an incredible, this is a million dollar idea because everybody wants to play with this. But I, th I, th I think really in, in my Christian walk, you know, God, this is what I care about. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited about the final product. I'm so excited about the purpose, you know. I mean, it took me a long time to get to the place where I could believe in the purpose on my life. I mean, when I first started preaching, I, I would get invited to places to preach. And, and like, that was the purpose on my life. That's what I do with my life. I, I go and preach the gospel to anybody that will listen. My Uber driver, if I don't have a mic, my, you know, my neighbor, my, you know, whoever will listen. I'm preaching the gospel. That's what I do with my life. But for a long time, I, I had a hard time believing that. I mean, it took like every ounce of courage that I had and faith I could gather to, to even consider the thought of the call and the purpose for my life, the reason why God invented me. This whole time, he's like, I invented you, I designed you, I, I orchestrated, I blueprinted who you are for this. And I'm like, but God, I'm like, I'm full of fear, I'm full of anxiety, like, I, I, I failed every speech I gave in high school, are you kidding me? You got the wrong guy, like, I'm not... I was not made to give talks. Like, that's not my thing. I don't, I don't get hyped up when I see a TED talk and think, I want to be that guy. Like, I don't ever want to, I don't like the awkward feeling when people aren't into it. I, I'm just, I'm good just to be, uh, I just, I'm good just being a Christian. I mean, and then I finally got enough courage to embrace the purpose. In fact, when I first started preaching, there was a verse in Jeremiah that would speak to me, Jeremiah 1.10, where, where, where God starts speaking to Jeremiah, and he said, I've called you to the nations. I've called you to build and to plant and to destroy and to overthrow. I've called you to make something new where people have been hurt and abused and abandoned. And Jeremiah is just like me, and he's like, God, but I'm just, I'm young. I don't know how to speak. I, I don't, I, I'm not good at that. And God says, don't, don't say you don't know how to speak. He, he says, I am sending you. Am I not sending you? And all of a sudden, Jeremiah is filled with this courage. And, and the Bible says that God takes tongs from the altar and he touches his mouth. And he says, now my words will be in your mouth. And so I used to, when I'd go speak, I, I, would, I, would, I would, right before they were doing the worship, and I got like 20 minutes, and I would get nervous. Like, 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 I, you know, my stomach's starting to hurt. I'm like, dear God, I'm going to fail. This is, these, these teenagers are going to think I'm crazy. Like, I don't know what's happening. And so I would go to the bathroom and hide in the stall and read Jeremiah 1.10 until I got enough courage to go out there. I would be, sometimes I would be in there and people would come in and I'd get real quiet. And I'm like, okay, this is awkward. Like, I'm the preacher. I'm like reading. I'm in the bathroom hiding because I'm nervous about it. It took everything inside of me to step out and to believe that God could do something with my life.
And sometimes when, when we finally get there and we finally believe it, like, like we are so enamored by it and we are so focused on it that we don't want to ever go back to not believing it. So we just protect it and we guard it. And sometimes our purpose can, can turn into an idol. Sometimes the things that God's called us to do can, can actually get in the way of having relation. Sometimes we can start building on our purpose instead of building on the rock. You've never done that. I've never done that. And, be, and when we get to that place, we, we start wanting to get there as fast as we can because we don't ever want it to go missing. Like there are certain things that we're still building and we, and we, and we can see them in our heart and we, can, and we just want them to happen as fast as we can so we can prove that, that we aren't in the wrong place. So that we can prove that we are who God says we are because half the time we actually don't believe it. Not, not you, not me, but... And so... so we, we almost kind of say, well, what could I do without? If, if this is going to take a big process, like I'll do without this one. I, I don't really need that. Obviously, it's still standing without that. I, I'll just, I'll live with this. I, I don't really need that extra time doing that. I, I just, I'm trying to get there as fast as I can with the, the my whole point is that, is that I just, I just need to get there. It's not about what is in there. I just need the visual of the thing. It doesn't matter if one piece is out. They probably won't see that. I, I'll get there the faster way. I, 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 there's got to be a faster way to this because it, unless I get there soon, I, I may forget about it. I may stop believing. So I'm going to leave out, um, you know, prayer. I'm just going to leave that out. That's pr probably not really needed. I'm going to just leave out serving. I, I, I'm just, I'm serving this. So I can't really do that. I can't really notice all you. I, I, I'm going to leave out ministering to others because I, one day I will. I'm just kind of planning for that. I'm preparing for that. And I went to college with a bunch of people that, well, I can't take that one out. That one's in there. Just kind of weirdly have that onto the side. If I try to put it back, I'll just take this one off. No, I need that because I need it to be tall. And we, and we live this life and we, and, we, and we look for things that we could leave out of the equation so we could still get to the product. We, we look for things in the purpose because our, our, we worship the purpose. But God is not just the God of the purpose. He's also the God of the process. And in fact, the process is actually just as important as the purpose. Like this piece to the, to the puzzle, to the building, is actually more important than right now because there are storms coming. There are, there are earthquakes coming. There are shakings coming. And, and yeah, it's standing right now. But when it comes, we will find out what things we left out to get somewhere. And at the end, it will come tumbling down. See, I found that it takes actually a lot more faith to trust him with the process. The slow, agonizing, daily grind of being alive. The slow, agonizing process of, man, I could leave that out, but, but it, what, ha what would happen if I left it out? I don't know what's coming, but I got to trust that God knows more than me. That I need that moment. I need that, I need that relationship that I want to run from because life would be a lot easier without dealing with that but you know what I got to keep my love on I got to keep pursuing relationships real relationships because I'm not building something for a moment I'm building something and it's not about building it's about doing it with my father God's saying look if you build 
upon my foundation, if you build upon my will, I will get you there. But it's going to take as much faith to believe in the process I have for you. Probably more faith to believe that he's got you in the process than it did to get you to believe in the promise. That amount of faith when I was in the bathroom, God, I don't know, I don't know. And then finally, I, finally I, would get, I would get courage. This verse would not have to be in me reading in the bathroom. It would already be inside my heart. And every time the enemy came against me, I could boldly stand. The amount of days and nights that it took to get to believe this, it's going to take more to believe in the process to get to the promise. In fact... I believe I could look at your process and tell you how great your promise is. Some people clap because they're like, man, I am in a stinking process. <laughs> this process is big. You never heard someone go, man, I got an amazing process I'm going through right now. I mean, this is amazing. It's like processing. It's like that wheel of doom just comes, keeps spinning. We don't know when it's going to stop. In fact, if I am sitting in front of a computer that starts spinning, I just turn it off. I throw it out the window. I, I ask the Lord to help me with my salvation because I have no clue how long I'm sitting here. Some of us in our processes are like, dear God, I mean, do you even care? I am wasting my time. And the process is never a waste of your time. Let me, let me show you. Uh, why in verse 28 most people read the first part they you know they don't put the first part in there so we don't know that the that the foundation is the will of God now we know that and then he talks about the rock we're building on and then the very end of this verse I love this part verse 28 look at this it says when Jesus had finished saying these things the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he was such a good preacher because he had 42 points and three illustrations. Because he had an incredible intro video. I mean, because his voice was so booming. Because he taught as one who had authority. Then, then this little part is really sad. Not as their teachers of the law. When, when Jesus was teaching, the, the, the people were actually amazed, not from his words, but from what he carried. What he carried was not the message, but it was the message. I remember a long time ago, I was going to preach somewhere, and I was really nervous about what I was going to say. I was trying to figure out which sermon. I had like 32 sermons, and I'm laying them out. I used to, before I had this iPad with all my sermons, and I used to print sermons out because I can't, I can't read typed writing very good. I get nervous, and so I can only read my handwriting. I think it confuses me enough, so I have to memorize it. That's, that's what happens. And so I would bring all these papers. I would lay them out over my beds, and, I, and I, when I was in the hotel getting ready to preach, and I would agonize. I would sweat, and one day God wrecked me, and he said this. He said, Jeremy, it doesn't matter which one I said well they're really good I mean this one's pretty good what about this <laughs> this one might help better and he goes it's not what you say it's what you carry that I'm going to use see water cannot be experienced by hearing about it it must be tasted 
when I'm preaching up here, it's not really about what I'm saying. It's about what I've walked through to this point that speaks to you in the words that are coming out of my mouth. I wonder what you've walked through to this point that is a message waiting to be heard. I wonder what purposes that when Jesus spoke, he preached one of the longest sermons ever. I mean, this is the end of it. It's like four or five chapters long. People have forgotten to eat half the time. And at the end, they're like, oh my gosh, that was the greatest sermon we have ever heard because Jesus taught as one with authority. That, that word authority means power, jurisdiction. It's the same word they use when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It's like fire power. Jesus taught not with mere words. There was some depth in his teaching. There was some foundation in his teaching, not like our teachers. Ah. God came to this earth to go to school so he could have that moment right there. First Timothy 2.5 says this. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men. Then I want you to look at this little word. Just look at this in the text. There is one God and there is one mediator between God and men. And the man, look at that. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men. And the, what does that say? Man. The what? Can you, can you read that again? The man. the man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom, the process, for all to be testified in due time. It's going to take some time, some due time. The man, Christ Jesus, the man Christ Jesus. For there is one God, not 10, not 20, and one mediator, not two. I know we think, oh man, I, I need my pastor to help me with this. No, no, there's one, there's one mediator, not your leader, not your pastor, not your boss. Look, sometimes we go, man, it, man, it's all your fault that I'm not here. No, no, there is one mediator between God and man. Look, you, you, you're talking to the wrong person about that door you want opened. There is one mediator. There is one God, right? And then it says, the man, Jesus Christ. Turn to your neighbor and say, the man, Jesus Christ. Now, now, when I read the Bible, I read slow. Not just because I'm a bad reader, which is the first reason. <laughs> but the second reason is because when I, when I like Look, when you eat good food, it has to be cooked slow. Nothing tastes great microwaved. If it does, there's probably a lot of chemicals in it. So the Word of God tastes best when it's slow cooked. So when you're reading the Word, you read it almost so slow at times that you just feel like, this is stupid, what am I doing? Because words like this stick out, the man, Jesus Christ. Why did he say the man? Jesus Christ. Why didn't he just say there is one mediator, there is one God, Jesus Christ, which means the anointed one. Why did he have to put in, hey, I just want to let you know, the man, Jesus Christ. Because you cannot mediate 
for something that you have never associated with. You cannot tell me how to walk in my shoes unless you've lived a day in my shoes. You see, I don't serve a God that stood up in heaven and told me how to live. I serve a God who didn't understand me. I serve a God who didn't know what it was like to feel tired because my God had never been tired. I serve a God who didn't know what it was like to be thirsty because the king of the universe does not thirst. I serve a God who didn't know what it was like to have pain because what could hurt the king of the universe? So my God loved me so much, instead of telling me how to live, he came and jumped in my shoes. He didn't tell me to climb out of the pit. He got in the pit with me. You know, in fact, the Bible says that Jesus did not look like the cool pictures they draw of him. Blue eyes, sweet flowing hair, beauty pageant sash, 18-pack on the cross, right? Some people say, well, God wasn't, God wasn't white. He was dark-skinned and get, get all excited, get all romantic. But my Bible says that God was ugly. I, I know you don't believe me, so I'll just read it to you just in case. Isaiah 53, um, 2. He grew up like a tender shoot, <laughs> like a root without dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by man, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Look at this last, look at this word right here. Like one who people hid their faces. Now, I'm going to tell you, I've seen some ugly people. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just being honest. We've all witnessed some people that it's like they got hit with a stick and it wasn't the right one. I'm just being real. Right? It's like, man, they got handed a large nose. Praise God. But I have never seen someone so bad that I turned my face. I, I mean, you know what I'm saying? And I, and, I, and I take it to a humorous place just for a second to help you understand what they're saying about our king. That he was like one that people were like, they go on the other side of the road. Like, don't walk, that dude's going to jump you. Like, like, Jesus, and I know this messes with your theology, and when you sing how beautiful Jesus is, it's going to mess you up, because Jesus could have had some love handles. <laughs> so stop hating on mine, right? I mean, right? I mean look, Jesus had no beauty in himself. Why did God purposely make a man that people wouldn't be drawn to? Why did God say, okay, if I'm going to be a man, I'm going to be despised. I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to be abandoned. I'm going to be whipped for their transgressions. I'm going to be bruised for their healing. He became us so he could rep us. He became your pain so he could understand your pain. Because when you go to God and you say, God, I'm tired. If he didn't go through the university of Mary's womb, 
through the messed up town of Jerusalem. Through the backside weirdness of Nazareth. Nothing good comes out of where? Nazareth. Why? Because he had to become me so he could feel me. He had to become me because if I would have said, God, I'm tired. Although he saw my tears and he wanted to relate, he would have looked at me and said, what's tired? God, I'm broke. What's broke? Why are you sad about being sick? What's sick? Because God had never been sick. God had never been tired. He didn't rest on the seventh day because his arms were sore. In fact, he was just speaking. He rested to show us a pattern of rest. For the first time, God entered the classroom. He had parents he had to obey. He had friends and family members that rejected him. He was despised. He was like one that people hid their face. If you feel lonely, it's not the person next to you that can feel you the most. There is a God who we don't bring in and sit on the center of the mantle made of gold, who we offer lettuce to. My God came down when I couldn't get up. My God came and put himself in my shoes. He didn't have to, but he did. So he could rep me. So he could be the man, Jesus Christ. So he could be the man. He carried my cross. He took my whips upon his back. He took my place so I could live in his. And when the councils of heaven meet, they don't meet without Jesus, the mediator for us. Inside the councils of heaven, the angels say, what's tired? What's weary? What's sickness? And Jesus will say, I'll tell you. Here's what we're going to do. He's enough God to meet with them. And he's been enough man to rep me. You see, I have a representative. I need to let you know you have a representative who knows every pain, who knows every hurt, who knows every feeling of wanting to give up, wanting to take the shortcut, wanting to walk out on your destiny. But he said, if you stay connected to me, my load is easy and my burden is light. I will give you fuel for the journey. I will be your strength through the storm. I will protect you. I will make a way where there is no way. I love you. I love you. I love you. You see, the word of God was there, and the people said, your teachers, they do not teach with authority. Why? They were just teaching the word. They isolated themselves so far from the people. They had their own clothes. They had their own cliques. They had their own crews. Sounds like church. So far from them that we don't know what it's like to be them anymore. So saved, we forgot what it's like to feel lost. We've isolated ourselves. And this is why our message does not have power. This is why they say all you teach is the law. See, all they want is Jesus to come back. All they want is someone to bring back and say, you know what? I'm, I'm enough where you used to be and I'm enough where I'm going to stand right in the middle and mediate a way where there is no way. 
See, some of us are embarrassed about what we've been through. But it's what you've been through that gives you the power to rep someone that's going through it. I cannot rep you unless I've been through what you've been through. See, I didn't realize that in this calling, sometimes things I pray for, I shouldn't have prayed for. God, give me compassion for the sick. Don't pray that. You might get sick. You'll make it out of sickness, but you're going to be enough sick that you remember what it was like to be sick. Hey, God, give me a, give me a heart for the hurting. Okay, you're going to have to walk through some hurt to have that heart because you cannot have that heart through words because not even my word could remain the word. The word had to be manifested in flesh. The word was a word, but it had to become Jesus. It had to walk among us. It had to be tested. People are not changed by words. In fact, communication, the only understanding of communication, only 7% of it is words. This is why we get real mixed up if we just text each other. Like, oh, what were you saying? Because you could have took it 42 different ways. Because there is more than just words at play. This is why we cannot just read the word. We have to start knowing the author. We have to begin to hear his tones and his pauses and his breath. Look, if we just read the word, it will just be law to us. But this word had to be made into flesh and it had to be tested on our soil. It had to go through the schooling of being human. The word became flesh and it dwelt among us. Right before this it says the word was in the world. Although it made the world, the world did not understand it. The darkness did not understand it. And then you skip down to verse 14 and it says the word became flesh. In that moment it started reaching the people that didn't understand it. As long as it remains words, the darkness understands it not. But the moment you say let these words become flesh. See, well, this is what this whole verse is about. Until the word is put into practice in your life, until this word is made flesh in your life, until it clothes you, until it's what you wake up, until it's your lifeline, until every word out of the mouth of God, you're going, God, I just want to follow you. I want to do what you called me to do. I want to be who you've called me to be. Look, look I, I, can tell your I can tell your purpose by looking at your process. But I can tell your maturity by looking at your passion in the process. I can tell your maturity by your passion for the process. Do you know the cross? Do you know it wasn't called the, the dredge of Christ? You know the cross wasn't called the ah uh, of Christ? The plan B of Christ? It was called the passion of Christ. You know the cross was his process, not his purpose? You are his purpose. See, see, wisdom comes when you start going, God, thank you for the process. Thank you for this. This is going to be my passion. I'm going, to, I'm going to be passionate about this because I know this is preparing me for that. Thank you, Jesus, that someone else rejected me. Here's, here's what I dare you to start doing. Instead of asking why, right? Why, God? Oh, why? Why another boss like this? Why another roommate like this? Uh, why my husband? Why my wife? Why more relationships rejecting me? Why do I feel alone? Why is fear still here? Why am I sick? Start asking God who. 
Who am I alone for right now? Who, who are you preparing me to rep for? Who, who am I walking through this for? Oh, I know this slam door does not make sense because I am a child of God. And these doors should be open. I've been knocking. I've been giving. I've been sowing. And if it doesn't make sense, it must be God. God, what are you trying to teach me? What kind of schooling am I about to get? What new degree am I about to get? Oh, I'm getting a degree of sickness because I'm going to be sick enough to be sick. But I'm going to be well enough to let them know what well enough feels like. I'm going to be sick enough to be able to relate. But I'm going to be well enough to pull them out of their sickness into where you've called them to be some of you are broke enough see you thought you were broke just because you were broke some of you thought you're on food stamps just because you missed something God's trying to allow you to feel what they feel so you could cry where they cry one of my favorite stories about Jesus he comes to this town his friend whom he loved, Lazarus. They've been calling on him to come because Lazarus is sick. Jesus has healed all kinds of sick people. And he gets there three days after the funeral. Totally misses it. Walks in, hey guys, the preacher's finally here. Thank God, glad you can finally come visit. Gets there late, at least they thought. And before he does the great miracle that we all know about, raising Lazarus from the dead, you know the first thing he does? He sits down with Mary and Martha. He just cries. Just picture him walking back and forth. I mean, he has the power to raise Lazarus. He's going to raise Lazarus. But he looks at him and says, oh, I don't want to pull you out of this process too soon. Let me just get it in it with you. Because I want you to know that I feel every pain you feel. I want, I want to know what this feels. I want to know what it feels like to lose someone. So that I could reach people that are lost. And he just, he just cries with him. He feels the pain of, what if this is the end? He, he, he weeps. I don't know how long he wept. I mean, how long did he sit there and cry with these two women? That in seconds, he's about, they're, 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 it's a funeral. He's about to throw a party. But he takes the time to weep with them. Why? So they could know that Jesus cared about my hurt too. He cared about my moments where I had no hope. He wanted to feel that. So when I say, God, I'm hopeless, he could go, I know what that is. But let me tell you where we're going. What have you been through that you thought was just an accident? That you thought God forgot about you? What have you been through that God hasn't used in power yet? Maybe some of you in this room have been molested. And it's just been something of shame for you. It's just been this thing that you hide. You, you, you took it out of the, you, you thought it wasn't a part of the purpose. God takes all things and turns them around for the good. I don't even care if it was a bad block. He takes that bad block and he will use it to change the world through you see, my bad block that I wanted to hide was a thing called fear. <laughs> Here we are, pastoring fearless church. You know what encourages people more than anything? This whole message was when I told you I used to hide in the bathroom before I had to speak. I had to look stupid for a second to let you know I, I know what you feel like. I know what it feels like to feel like this is overwhelming. And it, and it is hard. But let me tell you, I know the other side of that. 
And I know that God felt me too. And he was the one who pulled me to this side. And if he pulled me here, he can pull you here. And I came to serve notice on everything the devil's got you ashamed of. Everything you used to walk in. Those addictions you don't even want to tell. You want to clothe it up. And I'm a church person now. Don't forget who you used to be. Don't forget your doubts and your fears and your anxieties and your worries. Don't forget those because those are the things that make you able to reach the people on the other side of that. Look, we're not here just to survive. Once Jesus came into our life, we get to thrive. Jesus died. They buried him in a tomb so he could know what death felt like. But he didn't get his own tomb. He got a borrowed tomb. Because it was just temporary. I'm telling you right now, some of the things you're walking through, they're just temporary. They're just schooling. They're just your, your, your class you're walking through. Come on, pass the test. Get the open book at the test and open it up and start saying, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do with this? How do you want me to walk in? God, I know you were enough man that you know how I'm feeling right now. You know I'm angry right now. You know I'm frustrated right now. Show me how you did it. Show me how you forgave. Show me how you love. Show me how you walk through this. Help me through this. Help me love love the process. God, I want to enjoy the process, not just the purpose. Wouldn't it be nice to actually enjoy life no matter what came? You can. There's always purpose in pain. Not why, but who? Who? Who's waiting on the other side of my pain? Who's waiting on me getting healing from this wound? No one wants to touch wounds, but they will touch a scar. And once you have scars, they'll begin to ask you, how'd you get healed? Don't be afraid of your scars. Jesus wasn't afraid of his scars. He didn't show up and show Thomas his wounds. He showed up and showed doubting Thomas his scars. Put your hand in my scars. He wasn't ashamed of his scars. I know we're perfect. I know we got it all down. But let the things you don't have down, let them lead you to knowing why you're here. Maybe you're not broke right now just to be broke. Maybe you're not feeling depressed right now because you're so far behind. Maybe you're having a hard time waking up for somebody else, not for you. Maybe you're having difficulty at work not because of what you did. Stop looking for the pattern. You see, every time God wants to rescue a generation, he sends a redeemer, a kinsman redeemer. You have to be kin enough to redeem them. You have to be close enough. Yes, see, before Moses ever split the sea and traveled through on dry ground, he rode on a basket through the water. You see, Moses knew what the slaves felt like because his mom was a slave and he was born to slaves. And he knew what it was also like to live in Pharaoh's house, so he also knew what freedom was like. He had enough power to get him to there, but he had enough pain to know how they felt. Before David could ever be king, he had to be rejected. 
so those mighty men would find a hero, a king in the cave, because they had been rejected. They had been walked out on. I wonder what God has been preparing in your life this far. The greatest days are ahead of you, but they're not just from what's ahead of you. They're from what's behind you. Don't hate on your past. Whatever you've been through, God got you through it. You ought to throw a party just because you're still here. You're still breathing. You're still coming to church. You're still loving Jesus. You shouldn't be here. The devil should have took you out, but he couldn't because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And he has a destiny for me. He has a purpose for me. I want it all in there, baby. Every wound, every hurt, everything that, everything I forgot about. God, you know what? This is a part of my story. If you don't like my story, go ahead. Do what you're going to do. But my story gives me power. My story gives me purpose. My story causes me to have power and authority when I speak. It's not about what I say. It's what I carry into the room. I don't know who came here today that's carrying something of power, but I came to talk to some world changers. I came to talk to some people who've been through some stuff, who walked through some things and said, God, I'm still standing. I'm still walking with a firm foundation. Praise God. Praise God. Come on. Praise God. Praise God for what he brought you through. Praise God for what you've taken you through. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Your power comes when you stop crying over yourself. When you stop saying why and you start saying who, you take the reins back. No more why, 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 who. You start looking up instead of looking down. When I was a young pastor, I kept asking why, 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 why is this? Why is this? Why am I feeling this? And one of my mentors, he was, I was telling him all the people that have rejected me and all the people that forgot about me and all the times I felt like God just left. And he said, go ahead and cry. He sat with me, cried with me, put his hands on my shoulder and we just cried together. He said, get it all out, get it all out. And I kept saying stuff and saying, he said, come on, yeah, I know, man, I, I'm so sorry. I'm so... And then he handed me a handkerchief and he said, go ahead and wipe your tears. I said, okay. I wiped my tears. And he said, those are the last tears you get to cry over yourself. Do you have any more? I said, no, I'm, I'm okay, sir. Thank you. I thought he was going to tell me something nice. So I wiped my tears. He said, because as long as you're wiping your tears, you cannot wipe up the tears of a generation. He said, I want you to take this handkerchief. It's yours. He said, I've traveled around the world wiping up the tears of thousands of students. They're on this rack. He said, now I want you to take it. Run with it. Go wipe up the tears of every person God brings you to. And I took that rack for years. I would take that. I took it to Singapore. I took it to Australia. And I, at altars, I would wipe the tears of students that were there. I dare you to stop wiping your tears and say, God, I'm going to only cry 
over, you know what I'm saying? Like, God, I'm going to cry whatever tears I got to cry. But at the end of that, I'm not crying over myself anymore. I'm going to begin to weep over the people that God put me in this for. Because there is someone that's hurting as bad as I was hurting, but then times 10. And you know what, God? You, you allowed me to walk through that with grace and comfort so that I could reach masses of people. And here's the deal. I don't care if you do that through a restaurant. I don't care if you do that as, as, a, as a barista. I don't care if you do that as an Instagram uh, personality. However, you, whatever tool God's given you, you, you work the story that's in your life. And you use that to reach people and to love on people where they're at. Look, the, the, the greatest walls of the church are not the walls of hell. It's the walls we've insulated ourselves from the world. It's time the church gets out of the church. That's why we meet in a nightclub. Because we're not going to hide in some building. We're going into the darkness. We're going to make the word manifest in our life. And we're going to reach those who can't get out by themselves, Who are hurt. Who are wounded. Who have been abused. Who have been left behind. Who have been abandoned. That is your call. That is your purpose. The greater the process, the greater the purpose. Come on, who's walked through a great process in this room? Let me see your hands. Come on, put your hands up. Put your hands up. Holy Spirit, I pray right now. Lord, thank you for that process. Thank you for that pain. Thank you for those things we walk through. Thank you that you walk through them first. Thank you that we're not alone. We're not abandoned. God, even if some of us are right now in that process daily, and we ask right now, Holy Spirit, you would give us the courage to ask the greatest question, who, who am I walking through this for? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I, I want you to grab your neighbor's hand all over this room right next to it. And if we can bow our heads and close our eyes out of reverence for this moment. You know, the Jesus of the Bible does not come to make bad people good. He came to this earth to give dead people life. And if you're in this room under the sound of my voice, I'm not asking, do you want to be good? Do you want to join a club? Do you want to be Christian? None of that matters. What matters is that, man, I'm tired of feeling dead. I've tried everything. I keep waking up dead, going to bed dead. I get a new job. The newness lasts for a little while, and then I feel dead again. I want life. And Jesus, if you're the only way, you're the only mediator, I need to come through you to get life. The cross is all about the great exchange. He says, I'll take your death on this cross. And in exchange, I'll give you my life into your body. And you need that life here today, eternal life. All, all you have to do today, you're saying, I'm tired of being dead. I need that life. All I want you to do is squeeze your neighbor's hand on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Man, I'm tired of being dead. I want that life. 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 That's me. Come on, don't be stubborn. If it's not here today, it's going to be some old lady at Walmart, some person at a gas station. They're going, to, they're going to offer you this life. Why not today? Why not right now? Squeeze your neighbor's hand right there. If your neighbor squeezed your hand on the count of three, I want you to lift that hand like a champion fighter's hand goes up at the end of a round. I want you to lift their hand. Ready? One, two, three. Come on. Hands are going up all over this room. I see those hands. Thank you for listening. If you have something that you need prayer for, we would love to pray for you. 
Visit fearlessla.com slash fearless TV to fill out a prayer request or find more information about Fearless Church.